Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Awesome job. I love what's happening with our students. And Gabby is one of them. If I could invite you to bow, don't fall asleep now. It's a little dark in here. I'm watching you, Brad. Don't fall asleep, Jonathan. We're going to bow for one more quick word of prayer, and then we're going to dive into God's word. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts Be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come, Holy Spirit, come, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's great to see uh, old faces, and it's great to meet new faces during this Advent season, during this Christmas season. And we, once again, are in the book of Luke, chapter 1, and we'll be diving into this beautiful story with Mary in just a minute, but the title of today's sermon is Preparing for Christmas, and I want to begin with this reflective question. How do you prepare for Christmas? How do you prepare for Christmas? Um, I'll let you in on how one uh, couple who just happened to be my parents tried to prepare my family for Christmas this week. Let's uh, go to this video. One, two, three. Ho, 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 ho. We are Santa's out. We are Santa's out. Going Santa's shelf. With the toys for girls and boys. We are Santa's out. We respect your noggin here. We don't like to brag. Christmas we are always still. Santa says be good, do the things you should. Every decade we won't forget you, we are Santa's elves. Ho, 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 we are Santa's elves. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas. One, 
two. Oh, we don't have to three. do it again. We can, we can stop One, it. We can, we can two, stop it. Three. Oh wait, we're going again. Okay. That was bizarre, right? Like it, it caught us by surprise. Um, my dad would kill me if he knew I just played that for our church. So what they do, my mom, now she's off the handle, okay? She's, she's out there, but somehow she, uh, she got my dad to do this, and, and it's to bring a smile to my kids' faces. I have three kids, and the, the bottom two, Blaze and Sailor, are a little eccentric. And so I called my dad. He sent this, and he goes, we worked really hard on this. I'm like, yeah, obviously you did. It's bizarre. It's bizarre and beautiful. I said, um, how, how did you... Uh, how did you agree to do this? And he said, your mother was very convincing. She's very convincing. So um, they've never done anything like that before, and maybe they'll never do it again once they hear that I played it for you guys. So how do you prepare for Christmas? Uh, our passage, I think, teaches kind of a deep, rich, and lasting truth, which is this. The Christmas story is for certain, it's for all people, and it's for all of time. It's for certain, it's time. So we're going to unpack these three truths over the next few minutes, so let's just dive right in to talk about how we prepare for Christmas. Point number one, the Christmas story is for certain. Now, we didn't read these verses that I'm about to read, but they began the gospel of Luke. Luke begins his gospel, his account of the good news of Jesus with these words. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. Point number one, the Christmas story is for certain. You see, this story isn't just captivating, it's true. And I don't know what you walked in with today, what your faith background or church background is, but I want to encourage you and share that this isn't just a beautiful story, it's a true story. In fact, uh, uh, the, the writer of this book, Luke, um, does a few things. First, he writes in classical Greek. And I know we have some intellects in the room. Uh, he writes in classical Greek, and he, and he writes in a clinical manner. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Luke, uh, historians tell us he was a medical doctor. Do we have anyone from the medical profession in the room, nurses, others, doctors, kind of little fingers? Come on, guys. 11 a.m. would be like, see me? Y'all are still waking up. It's okay. But he writes with a clinical approach. He writes like DAP notes or clinical notes, actually. He, he does proclamation, examination, and then determination in his writing style. So the different passages take a certain form. 
and therefore kind of an intellectual audience. This Theophilus, who was his original audience, was a most excellent. It was a high-ranking official of some sort. You see, the Christmas story, it's not just captivating, it's true. And Luke is saying, uh, Theophilus, I want you to know that I've gone to great lengths to investigate this so that you will have certainty as you read this. You know, when I was growing up, I, I used to think like, oh, with Christianity, it's this huge leap of faith. And yeah, yes, it requires faith. But make no mistake, you don't put off your mind, you turn it on when you examine the Christian faith. If you're a skeptic, I highly encourage you, I dare you to read the Gospel of Luke and read the scriptures for yourself. Luke says, I've investigated this and it is reliable. It is certain. It is true. Uh, last week, we sent a team up to Conway, South Carolina to help rebuild with the hurricane from this last fall. And we had kids or students take time off of school. We had parents go and we had this engineer. I don't see Uli in the room. Uli, are you here? I don't see him. Uli uh, usually sits in the back corner. He's from Germany. And uh, Uli is a German engineer. And uh, he took time off work. He works with one of the factories associated with Mercedes-Benz that has moved to Charleston to launch the Mercedes-Benz line here. And... Uh, Anyway, as, as Uli told me, and he told Pastor Jerry, he said, in Germany, we don't see this level of poverty that we're seeing here in Conway. We just don't have it. And more than that, if we had it, I don't think the church would do this kind of thing to address it. So as Jerry was divvying out the different jobs, he gave Uli this job of kind of retrimming a bathroom. And he went to check on Uli a couple hours in, and Uli was doing such a good job, like maybe too good of a job, right? Like there's so much work to be done. And Pastor Jerry, who was in charge of this hurricane rebuild project, he said, Uli, like uh, you, it doesn't have to be perfect. And Uli said to Jerry, he said, eh, I want it to be right or not do it at all. And that's the impression we get with the writer of this book. He's saying, Sean, I want to write this book and get it right. I've investigated, and I want you to share in this good news. And more than that, I want you to receive this good news. Point number one, the Christmas story is for certain. Point number two, this Christmas story is for all people. The passage then reads like this, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to, to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb 
and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. You see, friends, this story is so wrong, but it's oh so right. It's wrong, but it's oh so right. Why is it wrong? Well, it, it happens in the wrong city. It happens in the wrong setting. And it happens to the wrong girl. Let me read you some quotes from different theologians throughout the ages. This is from Kent Hughes. The setting for the Annunciation, this story, drew amazement from first century Jewish readers because Gabriel ignored Judea, the heartland of God's work through the centuries, and came to Galilee, a land that was the subject of abiding Jewish contempt because of its mongrelized population. Even more, the angel not only bypassed Judea for Galilee, but the city of Jerusalem for the village of Nazareth. Nazareth was a non-place. Joel Green writes, Gabriel travels to Mary far away from the Temple Mount in Jerusalem to Nazareth in Galilee, insignificant, despised, and unclean. The great reformer Martin Luther wrote these words. He might have gone to Jerusalem and picked out Caiaphas's daughter, who was fair and rich and clad in gold, embroidered raiment, and attended by a retinue of maids in waiting. But God preferred a lowly maid from a mean town. It was the wrong city. It wasn't Jerusalem. It was Nazareth. It was the wrong setting. It wasn't the temple. It's in a no-name place, Mary's home. It wasn't in uh, this uh, with Caiaphas or someone who had high social standing. It was with a nobody, a nothing, a no one, a girl named Mary. For those that don't know, she was between 12 and 14 years old. I mean, the story is profound. It's profoundly wrong, but it's profoundly right. Why? Because God says, Mary, I choose you. You see, the Christmas story tells us, tells us that there's no person no place in no pain outside the scope of God's grace. There's no person then and there's no person now outside the scope of God's grace. There's no place then and there's no place now outside the scope of God's grace. There's no pain then and there's no pain now outside the scope of God's grace. You know, last week, Cody did a marvelous job looking at this story of an old priest way past his time. And God said to the priest, even though you cannot bear children with your bride, you will bear a son. He will be a prophet of the Most High. And then this week, he comes to this no-name girl in a no-name setting, in a no-name town, and he says, I choose you to receive and be favored by my grace. How many people here in this room could use God's grace this morning in your lives? 
Maybe you feel insignificant today. Maybe you feel alone today. Maybe you feel in darkness today. Maybe you feel like God has abandoned you today. Just as he says to Mary, he says to us, I choose you. This Christmas story is for all people. According to the great poet Bono, we receive these words. The idea that there is a force of love and logic behind the universe is overwhelming to start with, if you believe it. Actually, maybe even far-fetched to start with. But the idea that that same love and logic would choose to describe itself as a baby born in straw and poverty is genius and brings me to my knees, literally. To me as a poet, I'm just in awe of that. It makes some sort of poetic sense. It's the thing that makes me a believer, though it didn't dawn on me for many years. The Christmas story, point number one, it's certain. Point number two, it's for all people. Point number three, the Christmas story, it's for all time. The passage then continues. He will be great, Gabriel says, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, well, how will this be? I'm, I'm a virgin. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. You see, like a beautiful pearl necklace, this story strings together the promises of God, one after another, after another, after another. For those who are Bible nerds or for those who are in grad school, you're like, yes, this is the meat of the passage. And yes, it is. Listen to some of these promises from the Old Testament. 2 Samuel chapter 7, God says to David, King David, I will raise up your offspring after you. He shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. This fall, we've been looking at the life of King David and how he was a foreshadowing of the king of kings who was to come. And in 2 Samuel chapter 7, God says, David, you will pass, but someone in your line will reign and stand and lead in love forever. And the people of Israel had great expectations for this Messiah, this anointed one, this Christ figure. And God says to Mary, Mary, you're the one who will bring this forth. And his name will be Jesus, which means Yahweh saves. In you, the promises of David, King David, 
will be fulfilled and He will reign forever. In Ezekiel, we read these words from the Old Testament. And I will save them from all of their backslidings in which they have sinned and cleanse them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. My servant David shall be king over them and they shall have one shepherd. And then in Micah, we read these words. Micah 5, O Bethlehem, Ephrath, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Like a beautiful pearl necklace, all these components, all these promises are being fulfilled in this moment, in this passage, in this season known as Advent. God with us, Emmanuel, coming. And Mary says, well, how will this be? And and Gabriel kind of like says, well, let me tell you. The power of the Most High will fall upon you, right? And I'm looking at Kenneth because he just finished the Masters in Old Testament. This language of the Most High, this is the language when the Israelites were trying to go to the tabernacle. Sometimes God's presence would be so strong that they couldn't enter in. His holiness, so other, so brilliant. And God says, now this brilliance, this glory will be in you. And for all people, and for all time, And if you want peace, I will grant them peace. How can this be? And we hear these words. For nothing will be impossible with God. So here's the question I want to pose to all of us today. This story is for certain. It's for all people, all of us. And it's for all time. Just like the nation of Israel and Mary and people all throughout the land back then, they needed a breakthrough. Light piercing the darkness. Hope and peace coming to all man. Do you need a breakthrough in some way, shape, or form in your life? Do you long for peace and hope in your life, in your home, in your family, in your work? This message is not just for Mary, it's for you. This is not just Mary's story. This Christmas story is our story. You are part, you are invited in right now today in this Advent season. I don't care if you've been going to church all your life. In a fresh new way, God is saying, draw near to me for nothing is impossible with me. This good news is not just for then, it's for now. So friends, let me ask the question I began with. How will you prepare for Christmas? How will you prepare even in response to this message, to this gospel, that this is a reliable, beautiful story, and it's for you, 
And it's not just for you. It's for all people for all time. I love how Mary responds. And it's my invitation to all of us today. She hears this crazy story. And as an illiterate 12 to 14 year old in a no-name place, as a no-name person, she says these words. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would search this room and you would know our lives and know our hearts and that you would draw us back to you, that this message would not just be something we're reading, but something we're receiving today. If you're someone in this room that needs a breakthrough, that longs to experience the hope and peace and love of the Christmas story found in Jesus Christ, I just invite you to open your hands, your palms up, and just pray these words silently with me. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word.